Listener supported. WNYC Studios. I'm Kai Wright, host of WNYC's podcast, The United States of Anxiety. This season, we're focusing on gender and power, themes that are upending the 2018 elections. On the Politics Brief podcast from WNYC, you get the best of our political coverage with segments from my show, as well as from The Takeaway, The Brian Lehrer Show, and On the Media, plus local reporting on New York and New Jersey races from our award-winning newsroom. Welcome to Politics Brief from WNYC. The midterm elections are often said to be a referendum on the presidency, and that's never been more true than this year in the era of Donald Trump. At the same time, no matter where you live, there are also other issues on your mind as a voter, local stuff that has maybe nothing to do with whether you watch Fox or CNN or even how you feel about Donald Trump. Reporter Eliza Griswold has been spending a lot of time following races in the state of Pennsylvania. And what she found is that for voters across a wide swath of the state, the thing that's foremost on people's minds is a gas pipeline. It's already under construction, and it goes through a lot of people's backyards, and they're really unhappy about it. One of the communities Eliza visited was Exton, Pennsylvania, in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Exton is a place where two tectonic plates in American politics meet. We saw Pennsylvania go narrowly for Donald Trump in 2016, and the Philadelphia suburbs are one of those places that political consultants like to talk about as kind of a bellwether. Although the larger county went for Hillary Clinton, Exton is heavily Republican. About two-thirds of its voters are Republicans. Danielle Frau Otten is running as a Democrat for state assembly, and she thinks she has a chance. We're going rogue. We're on a leafy suburban street. There are colonial houses, which are made of brick and sided with vinyl. It's a middle-class place. How are you guys? And Danielle is going door-to-door. She's a suburban mom of two kids under the age of five, and she works in marketing. Uh, Have you heard about me running for office, Danielle? I see your signs around. Yeah, you do? Okay. Well, I actually live right on Devon Drive, and I decided to run because for the last five years, our neighbors here have been dealing with this. She's pointing to a long stretch of orange plastic fencing that marks the beginning of a controversial pipeline, which is supposed to be buried about 40 feet behind all the houses on this street. And fighting the pipeline for the last few years is what motivated Danielle to launch a novice's campaign for the Pennsylvania State House, taking on a Republican opponent and the establishment in her own party. Um, There are one, two, three, four, five, six rows of pipes. It's within probably 50 feet of my backyard, like 70 feet from my house. And um, we're standing right now 10 feet from playground that my neighbor's kids, my kids play on. What are your greatest fears, Danielle, with the pipeline? I mean, if what, how does it impact? How do your fears about it impact your life? Um, it's horrible to think about, but a couple weeks ago, um, a pipeline exploded in, in Beaver County in Pennsylvania, and it was a Sunoco pipeline, and it was only a week old. And so I actually was um, taking a nap in the afternoon shortly after that happened, and I, like, jumped out of my bed because I had this nightmare of, like, my babies, like, burning in their bed. And um, I called them, and I said, John, we have to move. Like, we have to move. We can't stay here. Um And, like, thankfully in Beaver County, there were only 30 homes within a mile of that explosion. And the closest family was 500 feet away. And they escaped with their life, but their home is destroyed. Um, 
those things seem like national news to most people, but to people like me, that's like reality. So, you know, we're here trying to connect some of the dots between what's going on politically, mm-hmm. nationally, as well as on a state level, um, with and the pipeline. Yeah. How do you see the pipeline as relating to national politics? It's just an example of the egregiousness of what's happening at the, on the national level and all of these regulatory rollbacks and how it really affects our daily life and how it can affect anyone, anyone. Let's put it this way. I never in my life, never in my life thought I would run for office. Never, never ever occurred to me. It just wasn't something I ever, like, maybe I thought I would run for school board or something, like something small and local when my kids were older and I had a little more time on my hands. But after all of the things we've experienced over the last few years and just the lack of humanity from our the people who represent us, it's it's hard it it makes you feel powerless but I refuse to be powerless. Danielle's opponent in District 155 is Becky Corbin, a Republican who's been in office since 2012. I reached Representative Corbin for an interview and she sent the following statement. I have a proven record of standing up to oil and gas companies to ensure the health and safety of our community. Then she listed her opposition to a number of bills which she said would have rolled back health protections, standards for oil and gas wells, and made it easier for public utilities to use eminent domain. But here's the thing about Pennsylvania politics. Both the Republican legislature and the Democratic governor, Tom Wolf, have signed off on the pipeline. Fracking has made Pennsylvania the third largest oil and gas producing state in America. And that's brought in a lot of different players, including Sunoco and its parent company, Energy Transfer Partners, which owns this pipeline project, the Mariner East. When we build a pipeline, safety is our top priority. Our highly skilled engineers, environmental scientists, wildlife biologists, and geologists design our pipelines to follow the safest routes with the smallest environmental footprint possible. ETP is a private corporation. But they were able to use eminent domain to take people's land against their will in order to lay the pipeline. The pipeline moves natural gas liquids from the Marcellus gas fields in the west for 350 miles to the east to Marcus Hook, outside Philly, where it's shipped overseas. We were following the route of the pipeline through Pennsylvania. Our second stop was 100 miles west of Exton in the small town of Blozerville. At Bloom's Gun Shop, we met Ralph and Doris Bloom. Hey, Ralph! Their shop is a small building in a modified garage on their property where shotguns are mixed up with pink stun guns. One end will see the rest of it. And it's infested with crickets. It took 35 years to make this junky like it is. And it ain't gonna get, ain't gonna get any better. It's pretty cool to me. The pipeline went right through their property and they say it had killed their hay and ruined their drinking water. We have no water. We haven't had any drinking water for... We haven't had any drinking water since June of 2017. There's our water behind us that we got back then. That's the way it come out of the spigots. It's black now. And, and nobody, plain words, gives a shit. Excuse my language. Get it straight. I went to Eichelberger, which is our state senator, three times for help. Nothing. I went to Steve Bloom, our representative, I think three times. Nothing. The last time I went to Bloom, I took him two bottles of this water over and showed him, have a drink. 
and this is what it is. He actually come out and looked at the damage that they did, and nothing. Just don't do nothing. I reached out to Sunoco to comment on issues related to the pipeline, but they didn't respond. Ralph is a registered Republican, but he voted for Hillary Clinton in the last election because he said she would have been good for the gun business. He and his wife Doris gave us a tour of their property on their four-wheelers. We rode up a hill past their house and surveyed their hayfields. So the pipeline comes over that mountain. Over that mountain. We can see where it's clear cut yep. through the trees. Yep. Comes all the way down through that pasture. Yep. Crosses the that road into your land. Yep. And it comes up here, and you can see where it is because there's this high band of what's it called? Fall grass, foxtail. Foxtail. Which is a state invasive weed. It's not noxious. It's invasive. They call it, they don't want you to have it. So when you're looking now at, at the politics that allow for this to happen, right, what do you think needs to change for something like this to stop being able to happen at a political <laughs> level? I don't know if you can stop it because it's, I think there's too much money involved. Uh, it's all big business and the little guy don't matter. Uh, we get more people like Emily involved, maybe we'll do some good. But, you know, that's only one person for how many hundred is don't care. You're listening to the Politics Brief Podcast. We'll be right back after a break. This week on the New Yorker Radio Hour, the fewer on college campuses over the war in Gaza. Students have tried to have dialogue over and negotiate differences in how they see the world, even as they respond to tragedies and crimes overseas. Students and faculty from Harvard University on the New Yorker Radio Hour from WNYC Studios. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. So Emily Best is running for state representative in District 30, which has been held by Republicans for decades, and it's a nearly impossible race for her to win. She manages a farming cooperative. She served in the Peace Corps in West Africa and lived in Guinea. What she saw of extractive industry in Africa made her fearful of what oil and gas companies would do as they rushed into Pennsylvania. And do you usually get as involved as you're getting? Like, what are you doing to support her? I'm putting up signs, talking to people, printing stories and telling people, trying to trying to do what I can. You know, it's hard to do out here in the middle of nowhere, but I've got signs up. I see the voting place is right over here. And I've got signs up on my property. I've got signs up on the neighbors. So when they go to vote... Maybe they'll see it. I don't know. You know, we don't know. So you've taken on this fight. It's probably the most active politically you've ever been. Right. Yeah. Do you have hope that it it will change? No. But you're doing it anyway. I'm doing it. I'd like to see Emily. At least I can talk to her. Seventy miles farther on and an hour and a half drive to the west from Bloom's gun shop, we arrived in Huntington. Huntington is a rural community midway between Harrisburg and Pittsburgh. Its woods are lined with white pine and shagbark hickory. We came to visit Ellen Gerhardt, a 63-year-old retired special ed school teacher. She was so upset about the pipeline on her property that she'd actually gone to jail over it. She'd stood in front of some heavy machinery to block the equipment from digging on her land, and she'd also poured a noxious cocktail of rancid milk and Tabasco sauce 
as well as laid rotten cat food near where the pipeline workers were working in order to make their jobs uncomfortable. She'd actually gone to jail over that. But she'd recently been released and showed us the ongoing construction from a safe distance. Well, this, this is our wet. This is still part of our wetland area, okay. so it gets a little boggy and it gets rocky. Okay, we're we're so we're fine. Okay. Famous last words, right? The construction the has been so controversial and contentious at the Gerhards that pipeline workers carry cameras, and they photographed us as we stood by the worksite. Recording right now. This guy has a camera in his hand, has a video, small video camera. That's what they typically use. Um, security usually has like... Oops, Alan and her daughter Elise had organized what they called Camp White Pine on the forested part of their property to try to block the pipeline. Through social media, they'd called on other protesters who came with the expertise to set up this sophisticated network of pulleys and zip wires that allowed protesters to harness and clip into the trees to block chainsaws from clearing the woods. At one point, they had six activists sitting in their trees. I spoke with Elise, the daughter, at their kitchen table. Elise, do you think with the election of Trump this makes any difference in this issue? I mean, I think people find it easy to blame these things on Trump, but Obama was already doing it anyway and in pennsylvania we have a democratic governor who is watching all of this stuff go down and he he watched what happened to us and to everybody else along this line and all the spills and all the contamination of wells and the destruction of the forest and you know retired teachers being thrown in jail and he still talks about how this project is necessary and, and good, you know. So that's what you get with a Democrat. You know, people around here just don't, for the most part, don't get involved with politics. A lot of people don't vote because they don't see value in it, because they haven't been valued by those people who have been in those positions of power. So what does it matter? You know, like, I mean, folks down in Southeast PA were able to, like, actually physically meet with the governor over this pipeline. He doesn't give a shit about meeting with us, you know, like, he's never going to come out here to meet with people. That's just never going to happen. They don't care about us. They don't even see us. There's a huge gulf between what people along this pipeline think is possible, how they think politics can actually impact their lives, and it has to do with economics. For the Gerhards living in isolated and rural Pennsylvania, the idea that a blue wave could save them just doesn't exist. That's politics for CNN, not reality. But for Danielle Frau Otten, running for state assembly in the more prosperous suburbs, politics is part of the solution. Danielle would like to see the pipeline stopped. But even if Democrats took control of the legislature, which is unlikely, there's no guarantee that they would stop it. It's even less likely that the pipeline will change the outcome of Pennsylvania's congressional races and make it a bluer state again. Still, Danielle is playing a long game. Like Democrats all over the country, she's trying to rebuild the party's presence on the ground, 
in local offices, and in people's backyards. We don't do it. Like, we talk all the time, I talk all the time about how through my own race, I'm actually identifying people for next year's municipal elections because the more people t- the more people talk to Democrats, the more they vote for Democrats. So it's a I think it's a it's like a ladder, like you're building a ladder, and if you're missing a rung or the rungs on the other side and you can't step up, it's not like it's you're not going to be successful. Eliza Griswold reported from Pennsylvania, and you can find everything she's written for us at newyorker.com. Thanks for listening to Politics Brief. If you want more, go to wnyc.org slash election.